Welcome to NC Retold. A place where we get to know North Carolina. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Corey George. Today's episode of NC Retold is brought to us by Pilot Surveying and Engineering, providing civil engineering and land surveying services across the Carolinas. Check them out on the web at www.pilotse.com. Our guest today has been featured in Our State Magazine, PBS Documentaries, as well as numerous other publications, was nearly cast in the History Channel's Mountain Men. He's an expert log cabin builder, a true master of his craft. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the log whisperer, Brother Kevin Thomas. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. This is, uh, I've been looking forward to this for uh, a a good time now. You've been reading all your stuff online and and checking out all the different cabins and stuff you built. And, I mean, you're known locally and not so locally as the log whisperer. Absolutely. So, who gave you the name the log whisperer? And uh, and how how did that come into being? I had a uh, client uh, uh, many years ago. Uh, they was Florida transplants, uh, and uh, Reader's Digest happened to do a uh, article uh, called. Uh, uh, well, I, I can't remember exactly how it was titled, but uh, it was about people that moved from a metropolis uh, to. A, uh, micropolis uh, from a big city to a small city uh, so they wound up in the uh, Reader's Digest and the writer uh, happened to be a freelance and they were sitting in a little cabin that I had built for them over on Paul's Creek and uh, she said the whole time the uh, writer was doing the interview he was looking around at the cabin you know uh, uh, so he got to asking her, you know, questions about that cabin, and he said, well, golly, he said, uh, would you mind if I do a story about your cabin? So uh, so it wound up uh, in a log home design back about 2006, uh, and I didn't really realize how big that was. I mean, it was a national magazine at the time, and uh, she just happened to uh, call me the log whisperer in that magazine, and a full-page uh, photograph, uh, the exact quote was like, uh, I started calling Kevin the log whisperer uh, because I was watching this thing going up, and it was just so beautiful, I'd start to cry. So uh, she called me that in that national magazine, and next thing I know, I start getting phone calls uh, from all over the country, uh, and people saying, is this the log whisperer? So, uh, so it just it stuck, and uh, and later on, uh, matter of fact, years later, I asked her. I said, Karen, uh, did you ever think that name would go this far? And uh, and she said, No. If I had, she said, I might have thought of something even better. <laughs> but uh, okay. but I can remember when uh, I would you could put that uh, the log whisper in on Google. And it would say, "Do you mean the dog whisperer?" <laughs> so uh, now I just I got a feeling when you put uh, the dog whisperer in, it probably says, "Do you mean do you mean the log whisperer?" Because uh, uh, 
uh, my dad always told me that word of mouth advertising was the best, and it just sort of uh, blows my mind at how far it does go. Right. So you build and renovate and refurbish log cabins, right? Yeah, I do. And uh, uh, I feel like, just like my dad was quoted many times as saying, uh, he felt like he was doing what he was put here to do. And I just, I feel the same way. So uh, I just feel like it's a gift, it's a blessing. Uh, we never started out or sat down and said, hey, let's start building log cabins. Uh, my dad uh, was raised in one a good chunk of his life uh, uh, and just had a love affair with them. So he always wanted one, and we started building him one back in um, around 1980. Spent five years building it uh, uh, just in our spare time and had a lot of fun doing it. Right. Uh, and then about the time we got it done, um, we had a, a gentleman from Elkin uh, pass by and wanted to know if we'd build him one. So uh, it's funny how it just sort of took off. And then about the time we got that one finished, somebody wanted another one. And it just, I've not hardly been caught up. Been doing yet. log cabins ever since. It has. And just, uh, you know, Long before the internet, when my dad was living and everything, uh, it's amazing. Uh, we done them all over Virginia, uh, Tennessee, all over North Carolina, and it was just all word of mouth, you know, no advertising. And um, so, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's amazing how far that goes. Yeah. With a name like the Log Whisper, you uh, it's pretty unique, you know. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I I would. I would definitely agree with you that it is a gift just having briefly seen some of your cabins and stuff beautiful i mean well, thank you, all hand hewn logs and i mean what, what what all goes into the construction of a log cat what makes it so different than a regular house well i tell you uh, i pour my heart into everything i do uh, a lot of people like to ask me say well i guess my house is the nicest one you've ever done but see uh, that ain't because of me, it's because of them. But I tell people I can't say that because uh, it's just like saying you love one young and more than another. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all my creations there. But um, there's something about a log cabin, uh, the efficiency of them. You have a thermal uh, effect that you just don't get with conventional construction. There's no, It's not an accident the early settlers uh, was building them when they first got here. Right. Um, uh, the history of them go all the way back to the mighty Vikings, several hundred years, you know. So uh, it's just a good, durable, economic. Um, uh, there's a big uh, little house craze going on in the world, people wanting to downsize. And um, I tell people the log cabin was the world's first little house. Right. You know, uh, so just that little bit of simplicity, uh, they're very durable. They they require very little maintenance. Uh, since mine is mostly uh, reclaimed or recycled logs from old log buildings, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of history there too. Sure. And uh, I mean, uh, a lot of hand-hewn logs. I mean, it is and is and and I tell you, when you've done done it as long as I have, you get a whole new level of respect 
for our forefathers and all yeah. and what they went through. And I like to say they was can-do people. There ain't as many can-do people in the world right. today. They like to talk about what they can't do. But them people, they could do it. Uh, they could do amazing things with nothing. And uh, my father was like that, you know, growed up during the Great Depression. Yeah. So, uh, so golly, um, uh, I like to tell this story of a client many years ago uh, up in uh, Fancy Gap, Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, they said he was talking about me and my dad one day. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, uh, Aubrey and his boy drove up here and drove up here in an old car. And he said, uh, they had to roll it off to crank it. And he said, uh, <laughs> they pulled up here and opened up the trunk, started unloading their tools. And he said, they didn't have nothing but an old, an old axe, an old chainsaw that wouldn't half run. He said, they didn't have but one hammer between them. One of the claws was broke off a hit, but he said, "You know what? Them boys built me a of a cabin." Right. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it was just amazing what my dad. Don't tell him what you ain't got or what you right. couldn't do. And some of the early years, you see, there wasn't no uh, internet uh, force or no YouTube or nothing. Yeah, uh, so it out a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, my dad. Uh, you know, uh, he had he had done some bar building and stuff like that on the farm, but a lot of it, it was just uh, learn as you go. Uh, and uh, so uh, I used to, Dad, he was a can-do man, and we'd have clients early on say, well, can you build me so-and-so? Can you do this or can you do that? And I'd know full well we had never done it before, had no experience whatsoever. It would make me nervous, but my dad... Uh, he'd say, "Well, yeah, that ain't no problem, right. <laughs> you know." So, so some of it turned out good, and some of it didn't turn out so good. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just a warmness about them, right. uh, Corey, that you just don't get in conventional brick and vinyl uh, manufactured. You know, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears goes on, uh, goes into them things, and uh, every one of them. I mean, I've literally done hundreds. Uh, they're all a very, very unique creation, each yep. and every one, just just like we are. You know, I mean, with a, some of these logs that you're using to build with might be 150 years old, oh, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. hand uh, hand hewn logs stopped in during you know right after the mass production of the saw, right? And that uh, was yeah, yeah, pretty much. And a lot of ours, a lot of them. Now this is a uh, uh, was a log cabin. Uh, uh, sort of mid uh, 19th century, but a lot of them is uh, what I use as the back of barn logs. Yeah. And uh, there was an article uh, in our state magazine one time that said there was roughly, at one time, there was roughly two million uh, flu cured tobacco barns uh, in the state of North Carolina. Right. So, uh, but I've really seen the quality of those go down. Uh, we started full time in '85. And you used to could find a really good barn, really good cabin, but very few are really maintained anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've really seen the quality of them go down. And I mean, we have several hand-hewn tobacco barns on our farm, and we just use them for storage. Yeah. well, I mean, old uh, rock, like rock and yeah. mud foundations. Yeah, I mean, you know those are old. Yeah, that's all uh, That's all they was. I mean, just materials picked up on the farm. Yeah. And... Uh, 
they uh, served a valuable purpose, but as soon as uh, the, the flu curing process sort of evolved, uh, you know, the poor old tobacco barn sort of got forgotten. And right. when they was using them, uh, they would fire them every year. Uh, you know, that would kill the bugs, dry them out real good. So mm -hmm. that helped them a lot. But nobody uses them. Nobody fires them anymore. Uh, most of them have metal roofs. If a roof gets blowed up, uh, you know, on the corner, nobody fixes that. So yeah. they wind up rottening from top to bottom. So. Mm. This day and time, I mean, if you've got a good barn, it's a treasure. Uh, I have restored them as barns uh, for the late, great Jim Long uh, uh, over in Caswell. I did two for him. Mm -hmm. He told me them barns were sentimental. He played uh, in them when he was a young and Right. And uh, I just, I really enjoy my sentimental jobs, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that mean something to somebody. Uh, I just, I get a real... Uh, Real thrill out of that, a lot of satisfaction, and uh, a lot of the ones I do, uh, it's somebody's already told them it can't be fixed, needs to be burnt down, mm. and uh, that's kind of, don't tell me you can't fix it, right? because uh, I've already done it before. Yeah, you're going to so, go whisper to those longs. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and people can laugh about that, you know, uh, where that come from, but I want to tell you something, them logs do talk to me. Right. Uh, they mean something to me, and uh, well, I tell to, you, to be able to take mismatching puzzle pieces and turn them into a masterpiece yeah, is really yeah. a work of art. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot like that. It really is about like a puzzle, but you just you know you kind of got to have a love for it and uh, have it in your blood. Um, um, I like to say it's a little bit of history and art mixed together. Yeah, uh, I enjoy creating. Uh, if you've got that creative gene in you, uh, you've got to get that out or uh, you feel like you're going to explode. Right. So I just, I love it. Uh, uh, but I also have a theory since they're historical and they've been around for so long, uh, you know, uh, they absorb a certain amount of the energy that's around them, you know, mm. and the history. And um, I just, I love them. Each one of them's unique and uh, uh, if I can preserve them for another 100 to 150 years and people enjoy them, uh, my favorite part of a project is when people go in there and put their furniture in there and right. uh, send me pictures and you can see them living in it. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about there to me. I bet. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about, I mean, you grew up in this area. Tell me a little bit about what, what was it like for Kevin Thomas growing up? Well, I'll tell you, I feel really lucky and fortunate. Um, I had some really good influences in my life. My father uh, was probably the main one and uh, taught me a good work ethic. Uh, um, my earliest memories uh, is, is not playing and stuff. Some of my earliest memories was trying to help him work. Right. And I enjoyed that and I always tried to do whatever he was doing. So, um, uh, uh, he, as a matter of fact, later on in school, he would get me out half a day and uh, I went to a night school program so I could help him all through high school. Uh, I'd help him work till about three o'clock every day and then go to school till about eight o'clock at night. Wow. But I uh, had a good uh, dad. He, he, he was uh, one of 10 kids, uh, a tenant farmer's uh, kid. They was dirt poor. Uh, uh, so I just, uh, he 
come from a very, very humble, hard beginning. Uh, uh, so he was my hero in a lot of ways, and uh, he helped me till uh, 2015 when he passed away. Mm. Um, and I miss him every day, uh, but enjoyed helping him growing up. My mom, uh, she was a great uh, lady too. She told me uh, she never wanted to be anything or never aspired to be anything but a good mama. And uh, so, and she was. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was my parents. I got one brother, one sister. Um, uh, went to school here, just growed up working. Uh, I feel like we growed up at a good time when we had uh, good influences at school. A mm -hmm. uh, lot of good uh, people in the community. Uh, uh, you know, it was just sort of a different time there. And uh, helped my dad. We started out... Uh, Early on, my dad was kind of in the antique business and paint stripping and all. That was pretty big uh, back in the 70s and uh, on up uh, um, in the 80s there when it just kind of got to be so big uh, and we wound up in the log house business. Um, me and him worked together for several years. A lot of times we would just have maybe one helper. Um, and uh, But... The workload just got to be uh, so big that we kind of decided we'd split into two crews. And mm -hmm. I think that was Dad's way of kicking me out of the nest, you know. And <laughs> I tell people right. even even after he retired, uh, he'd still come around uh, at least to tell me everything I was doing wrong. Come check you your know? joints. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so, yeah, we kind of split into two crews and... Uh, some of the early ones, you know, I uh, had some uh, some uncles and great uncles and stuff, and I just I miss them guys every day because, like I say, they was a, a vanishing breed. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, just good people uh, taught me a lot. Uh, um, That's good that you. I mean, working with family. I mean, some people can do it, some people can't do it, but it. It, you get quality time with those family members that you wouldn't ever get anywhere else. It is, and there's a there's a chemistry there that uh, you just don't uh, really recognize it till it's gone. Uh, but you know, uh, uh, historically in this part of the country, you know, we was a farm based economy. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody, I mean, families worked together, uh, rested together, ate together. Uh, so that's some of the best uh, times of my life, really, that uh, I was working with my dad. And uh, and I tell you, I've, uh, uh, families just ain't as strong as they used to be. Right. Um, uh, I like to say a lot of our problems could be solved from sitting on the porch like me and you are doing right now. Yeah, it's with hard a good, to beat this. With a good rocking chair yep. and get you some air. And, you know, back in the day, families were stronger. Uh, people was closer to the neighbor. You know, you'd sit out on the porch, and the neighbor'd pass by, and you'd wave. Yep. You know, at the neighbors, and uh, so uh, we really lost something there. Uh, but uh, but pretty much, I mean, I, I just I like to think I had an average childhood. You know, worked a lot, enjoyed uh, helping my dad. Went on to school, um, graduated that night school program. Um, Graduated with a uh, diploma from Surrey Central High School, but uh, like a lot of people, I sort of, uh, at the time, I, I kind of uh, 
figured out I was going to be blue collar mm -hmm. and some of the things like algebra and stuff, you know, maybe I ought to have paid more attention to. But I just, I never was a big fan of school. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, I just, I enjoyed being out with my dad and doing whatever he was doing. And right. so, uh, uh, so yeah, um, I just, I really feel blessed. I feel like we live in a good part of the world, growed up at a good time. And yep. uh, one of my, uh, well, I like to say uh, uh, on my banners and things, uh, uh, building log houses, uh, promoting civil live, uh, uh, simple living, while uh, giving God all the glory. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just I think uh, you know that's kind of the picking order. And um, over the years, uh, I've seen where people really embraces that simplicity. You know, a lot of people has decided uh, you don't need a thirty five hundred square foot house yep. with. Uh, two or three vehicles in the driveway and and well uh, with what all has been going on recently with the covid and everything it seems like there's a an exodus of people from the cities and the, the complicated municipal life and and yeah. headed back to the country and interested in homesteading and living off the land i know we've seen i mean i feel like people are moving out here in the woods every, every day it seems like yeah yeah absolutely uh back during the i want to say uh uh late 90s uh early part of uh the century there we was building a lot of three thousand square foot vacation houses mm. and i used to think what in the world does anybody need with a three thousand square foot weekend house and you know some of them had mowing to do and you know you got to heat that thing cool it maintain it and uh, now uh i've got the big following there on my uh, social media uh uh people get a whole lot more excited about the little traditional one room yeah cabin versus the three thousand foot money shot you know uh, glass overlooking the mountain and everything, and and uh, well, and that thirty-year mortgage is gonna the mountain of debt that comes along with it. It is, it is, and I, I've known. Uh, I mean, I, I've met some people that uh, uh, sort of a. I enjoy what I do. I feel really blessed. I've been able to work for some of the best people in the world in some of the most beautifulest places in the world. I was able to keep my head above the water. But there's a lot of people that ain't been that lucky. Yeah. They had to go to a job for 20 or 30 years that they hated, they dreaded going to. Yeah. And, uh, and That's soul-crushing. It almost. is, it is. And just, you know, a lot of them, they, they get to the end, they figure out, you know, they spend it working for a house that was too big and cars they didn't need and uh stuff in the end that don't matter it is it is and i mean they missed uh uh you know fishing and hunting with the kids and didn't take a lot of vacations and uh maybe missed some ball games and stuff they should have went to and yeah um so yeah i just i really enjoy pointing people back to that simple living to simple time i think a lot of people miss it you know uh uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, I mentioned the Lord. I like to, he's the one that gave it to us. In the book of James, it said, uh, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like to start every day counting my blessings. Right. You know, and end them the same way and uh, keeps, you from, keeps you from worrying a whole lot. Count your blessings, not your problems, I like yeah. to say. Well, that's, that's a good saying to have. So... 
tell me about the Hanson House. What's the Hanson House, and why is it so important? The Hanson House is, uh, well, really, it's one of many uh, uh, 18th century uh, houses that was in the uh, historic village of Bethania. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've worked on several of the properties there going back to about 1987. That's the old Moravian? It is, and uh, basically the history there uh, for the Baptist in the audience is uh, the Moravians uh, was kind of exiled uh, uh, overseas, Germany and France, went to different places, wound up in Pennsylvania, um, wound up here. uh uh, the uh, king got a land grant there and started uh, Bethabra. Well, uh, that religion, you kind of had to be born into it, you know, so uh, uh, Bethabra people started uh, going there and wanted to live there and move there and interacting. And, uh, so basically, uh, in their uh, society, you was either a Moravian or you wasn't. Right. They called them believers or non-believers. So uh, some of the early church people there, they was having a fit, uh, didn't want the uh, non-Moravians uh, living with the, uh, with the Moravians. So they started another community by the name of Bethania in 1759, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and all of the believers lived on one side of the street. The non-believers <laughs> lived on the other. And eventually capitalism creeps in. The church owned everything. Yeah. At the time, capitalism creeps in, and two or three generations ago, you know, uh, uh, later, they kind of move on out. But uh, the, the Hanson, bank in Winston was named Wachovia after these same Moravians, right? Uh, well, the Wachovia track was basically named after the Indians. Okay. Uh, uh, so it was the, the king and all, it was his land, but it was named after the Indians. And uh, But it's a, it's a very... Uh, beautiful history there. They was very ornate craftsmen. Uh, the houses have a lot of Jew, uh, German influence and everything, and, and just some of the beautiful things. Most of them was log framed, but they was covered from the day they was built, you know. Oh, wow. So okay. uh, back a couple hundred years, you know, most of them need restoring and renovating. And um, so I, I wound up uh, working on one uh, uh came to be known as the Hanson House. Uh, originally, it was a Hoosier house, uh, but uh, they made a UNC uh, TV documentary about it, and uh, so uh, it was probably my first uh, real four-way into TV okay. uh, and filming and everything. And, and uh, so, uh, But I've worked on most of the properties there, did a lot of historical work, and uh, it's it's really close and dear to my heart, uh, but uh, uh, my main uh, forte, you know, is the new construction that looks old. But right. I love maintaining maintaining something original. We're working on a 1850s barn now, north of Bethania, uh, called the Stobbard Farm. Uh, that barn is a post and beam uh, that they say the mate to it is in Old Salem. So they're positive the same people built okay. the two, and the one at Old Salem was actually moved there from a couple of miles from this one. But uh, I worked on it the first time 13 years ago. Okay. So it's time to just uh, do a little bit more maintenance there. Right. And uh, I just I love it, uh, love promoting that history and, and uh, preserving it. 
So you mentioned your first introduction to TV and filming. I mean, just from talking with you, it sounds like you've had several opportunities with, I mean, real mainstream type media. I mean, what what I, all have you been involved with? I have. I tell you, uh, uh, sometimes I could just I can't believe how far the interest does go. Uh, I feel like I've really been blessed there, but uh, uh, I've had a lot of TV segments. Uh, you know, I was on Roy's Folks twice, uh, WRAL, uh, Tar Heel Traveler, uh, Scott Mason, um, and uh, in the public TV documentary. Um, and then uh, long about, I guess it was about 2013 or 14, I get a call from uh, the county manager's office. And uh, the secretary there asked me if I'd ever seen the show Mountain Men. And uh, I said, yeah, a time or two. And she said, well, their producers called uh, the manager's office and uh, wanted to know if we knowed anybody that uh, might be new talent for the program. And she said, um, well, she said, Kevin, to be honest with you, me and Chris couldn't think about anybody but you. So she wanted to know if it was okay to give them a name and address. I said, sure, why not? So uh, I wound up being in that uh, casting call uh, for Mountain Men and didn't get cast in it. They uh, 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 wound up casting uh, more Western characters. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but the production company, Warm Springs, out in Montana, uh, told me, said, look, we like you so good. We love your lifestyle, love your story. Uh, we'd like to do a trailer video or a sizzle reel and maybe market it to the national networks. So uh, they sent a five-man uh, film crew out and uh, spent a few days filming that and made some good memories, uh, 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 marketed it to all the national networks. It never got picked up. Um, but like I say, made some good memories, had, had a good time. And you know, to this day, uh, I still uh, get a call on average about one time a year uh, every other year from uh, from some production company somewhere in the world <laughs> that's interested, you know, in my story. And yeah. uh, the last one I was signed with was more of an internet uh, production company uh, uh, that does a lot of Netflix and all uh, called Jolt Life in Los Angeles. But it blows my mind at how far, you know, uh, uh, that does go. I mean, it's I call it the the log whisper phenomenon. Sometimes. Right. It's, it certainly sounds like it might be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's some I've done. Uh, I've enjoyed everything I've ever done. Lots of magazines, uh, newspaper articles. Um, you keep a copy of these? I do. I've got a few. But, you know, I look back on it. Uh, we just, you know, back in the day, we didn't take a lot of pictures. Right. And I also... Uh, uh, which unfortunately everything's kind of electronic now. So sometimes I think uh, you know all that uh, might go away. I wish I'd have took a little bit better, uh, uh, you know, been a little bit more uh, kept up with it and all. And, and uh, some of the momentum, uh, the momentums I got. I mean, uh, I've got uh, paintings where people painted of me. Uh, I've got uh, followers there on my social media that has forever sending me uh, little packages in the mail. Or That's awesome. 
telling me what so I telling me what I mean to them. And, and you're the log whisperer on Facebook, right? I'm uh, the log whisperer at Old Log Houses by Thomas on Facebook. I've got uh, over fifty one thousand there that follow me, and and uh, um, it just you know it started pretty much with nothing back about 2012 i seen it as a way as i could share the work i enjoy yeah. sharing it with people and uh so uh i started posting there and it never really took off though until uh i just uh I, i'd pray about it uh, i'd say lord what does somebody need to hear today and uh, i got to writing a few poems i'd caption my work with some poems and share a little bit of scripture you know and and uh 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 done that for quite a while and it just sort of took off and a lady by the name of sydney hodney at uh who uh she'd done a lot of writing for the winston-salem journal uh there for a while and uh she went on to kind of bigger and better things but she called me a poet in an article and i thought man a poet i never thought <laughs> so uh <laughs> So, uh, you know, golly, uh, uh, but that's when it took off, you know, when I started giving the Lord the glory and using it to inspire. Uh, I like that old saying, uh, uh, aspire to inspire before we expire. Right. So, so I love to, uh, you know, and just get a word for somebody saying you don't know what it means to me. You don't know what I uh, how bad I needed to hear that. And That's got to be encouraging, too. It is. And, and I tell you, I mean, it never fails. Sometimes we hear a lot of negative things about social media, and it, it does have a negative side. But, you know, it never fails. I, I read a difference I've made in somebody's life, you know. And, yeah. And uh, it's twofold. And uh, what them people don't know is a lot of times uh, I'm inspiring myself. You know, I'm preaching that myself because right. uh, we're all human, and I need it too. And, you know, this life, Corey, it'll drain you uh, anymore. I mean, you just, uh, I don't feel as good in the evening as I do early in the morning. Do you? And uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a slow riser, so. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, it just, life wears you down. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The, the um so what I call it, we live our lives in cruise control a lot of times. You know, yep. we get up, we go to work, we go home, we go to bed, we pay bills, do it over and over again, and just, you know. Uh, you get it, caught in the, in the just the routine of the mundane, and it's almost hard to break out. You say, you may not even realize you're in it. It is. Until it it's is. too late. And, and I'll tell you, uh, 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 I like to tell people, uh, I I feel like the last 20 years was a finger snap to me. Yeah. And the good book calls our life a vapor, you know, poofing, we're gone. The older you get, the more you realize poofing, it's gone. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, an, old, an old gentleman one time told me that what causes that, uh, you know, that the 20 years or 30 years disappearing, and he said that's what causes that is we get to live in our life and that cruise control uh, you know, just on automatic, and just boom, first thing you know, it's gone, you know. Yeah. So uh, mm. we really, we need a little bit more adventure in our life, a little bit more inspiration. Uh, for every little bit of negativity we can extract from our life, it leaves a little bit more room for the good stuff, you know. Yeah. So. Um, That's a good outlook to have. It really is. I, I feel uh, lucky and blessed, and, and uh hope I can pass that on to uh 
some of your listeners there. Yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible message. I, I think it will certainly resonate. Um, so if you, of all the log cabins you've done, which I'm assuming has <laughs> been several now, uh, is there anything that maybe sticks out that you're thinking, you know, you ever look back and say, man, I wish I could go back and do that a little different? Well, not that I would admit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I tell you, we'll always have a regret. See, most of mine, uh, they're not uh, designed at a drawing table. Yeah. A lot of them kind of evolve. So, uh, you know, there's always going to be some things uh, that you'd rather change. But uh, the, my experience, the years I've had, you know, really, uh, I've... I've um, you probably I ironed wanna, all that stuff out I don't want to sound like I know it all, but I feel like I've seen it all and done it all. So very few uh, things come back to bite me right. or whatever, you know. But uh, but um, each and every one of them is absolutely unique. I mean, you might as well say a work of art, a masterpiece. I'm proud of every one uh, from the one-room yard ornaments to 5,000 square foot. Right, uh, I'm really proud of them all, you know. Well, so speaking of seeing everything, what's the craziest thing you've seen in an old barn you're going to go fix up? Golly, uh, uh, I know you've seen some crazy <laughs> stuff in there. It is, and I tell you, my memory ain't as good as it used to be. But I, I've seen some things. Some of the, uh, I've seen a lot of amazing things that when I look at. Uh, uh, what they had to work with and the things that they do, mm-hmm. just the the sheer size uh, of some of the logs. You know, some of them, it marvels me that they could put them things two-story high without uh, any kind of mechanical <laughs> Yeah, they didn't have grain back then. Uh, but uh, I found a lot, I mean, seen a lot of amazing things. I've seen um, some interesting things. Uh, I've uh, restored the old... Uh, uh, Beck Dinkins' house down on um, Dinkins Bottom Road there in Yakin County, and um, we found some old uh, letters in the walls that uh, was wrote back in the uh, 1800s. Wow. A lady had corresponding with her son, and I just I really enjoyed that, you know, yeah. uh, 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 you know, just various subject matter and and. Uh, uh, found an old goose wing axe. It was called uh, between the ceiling and the floor mm-hmm. uh, from the period a two hundred year old axe. You know, so uh, um, somebody so, got in trouble for losing that. Oh, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. And and uh, uh, I um, kept it for many years. I cherished it and wound up uh, giving it to one of my clients. Uh, sometimes it seems like I've give away about everything that ever meant anything to me but uh you know i just i enjoy that too you know yeah. the business has given me so much and um um so um yeah i've just i mean i can marvel and be amazed at a window a door when i look at the wooden pegs in mm-hmm. there the joinery um the 1850s barn we're working on i, I look at that post and beam joinery you know that thing has lasted for hundreds of years uh, the walls are straight. The ridge lines are straight. Uh, it just uh, there's a trough in there that's made out of one log, hewed from one end to the other, uh, probably uh, thirty feet long. Uh, stuff like that amazes me. Really. Mm. So 
if I wanted to get a cabin worked on or built, how long would it be before you could get there? Well, um, I tell you, it's hard to gauge a lot of my projects, you know, especially the restorations and stuff. And I like to say the older I'm getting, the slower I'm getting. But uh, The more but, experience means the quicker you get. You're getting quicker, right? So. Well, I think so. But I'll tell you what, Corey, <laughs> you want one, you let me know, and I'll make sure that you get put on the list or if anybody else wants one. And um, it's, a, it's sort of a misconception. A lot of people think, oh, I can never afford it. Uh, oh, you won't never get him. But uh, it's a very, very economical form of construction. Yeah. Uh, it's way more economical than conventional construction. Mm -hmm. It's comparable. I tell people if you can afford uh, brick or vinyl, you can afford log. Right. So uh, uh, you let me know when you get ready for yours, buddy, and we'll hook you up. Okay. So... What do you think is a uh, common misconception about the log whisperer? Uh, well, maybe that uh, that you know I might be so busy they'll never get me. Uh, maybe um, uh, that uh, I w I'm not willing to travel that far. Uh, when Dad was living, now I don't like to travel as much as he did. I I prefer to go home every day. But we did them hour and a half south of Nashville. Yeah. Uh, down into Sand Hills. Belmont, uh, uh, out in uh, Caswell County, uh, Halifax, Virginia. Uh, I've got customers now. I've I've went to look at work as far as uh, Kentucky. Been contacted from Texas. Uh, so you know, if I feel led and guided, like it's a project that I'm supposed to do, uh, I, I'll still travel. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe that's a misconception. Uh, people can't afford it. Maybe they won't get me. Um, uh, there's probably a lot of misconceptions, mm -hmm. you know. But um, but I tell you, like I say, it's always been word of mouth. So, uh, you know, I'd love for uh, anybody to just, you know, uh, Google up some of my work, uh, get in touch with me. We'll visit one or two. Uh, and I'll be glad to uh, help them any way I can. Okay. So what's uh, what's next? I mean, you're na nationally known for uh, log cabin construction. Well, you I like to say on? you going. I like to say uh, the Lord's in charge of it. Right. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to still have my help. I feel like I could whip a bear most days. Um, I can't ever imagine not doing anything. My dad bred that work ethic into me, you know, so uh, right. I'd love to do it just as long as he lets me do it. Uh, uh, sometimes I'm human, too. I get a little disgusted. Uh, there's way too much government now, too, mu too much bureaucracy, yeah. uh, too much permits, too much paperwork. You know, I get pretty aggravated with that. That's discouraging for a lot of people. Uh, I'd I, say this doesn't follow the mold of the building code. No, it don't. And I've got a good engineer and uh, people that help me, you know, that help it along. But um, I get a little discouraged with that. Uh, uh, there for a while I got discouraged, uh, uh, you know, with having good help and all. Sometimes it's just you've got to have an interest and a love for this and I've got some great guys that's helping me now. Uh, so, uh, 
you know, long as I got good help, long as I got my health, um, long as I can go to work and work for some of the best people in the world and some of the beautifulest places in the world, uh, I got no plans of quitting. Right. Uh, if the TV uh, program and stuff ever happens, you know, I put him in charge of that a long time ago. If it happens, it's fine. If it don't, it's fine. Uh, I've already been blessed way beyond measure, you know, the interest, the following I've got. Uh, so um, so we'll just take it as it comes. Okay. So word on the Internet is you make some dough bowls. Yeah. Where could I get my hands on one of these famous dough bowls? They're kind of rare, Corey, but uh, <laughs> you just let me know you want one. I've got a waiting list as long as my leg, but uh, hopefully – uh, if my help holds out and all, I'll, uh, you'd get one. Okay. Uh, but it's just another facet of my life that sort of amazes me at how far it goes if you pour your heart into something. And uh, I'd made uh, one or two many years ago, probably 24, 25 years ago. And um, I had a friend uh, to make me some hewing uh, ads, uh, special made for bowl making. Uh, never asked him to make them. I don't, far as I know, he just made them for my birthday. So I go home and uh, them things is there, and I looked at them for a while, and I thought, well, shoot, long as I've got these ads, I might as well make another bowl. Yeah. And I remember the tree that me and my dad had talked about um, cutting down. So I thought, you know, I'll cut that tree down and make me a bowl out of that tree, and it'll be sort of a keepsake, you know, of. Uh, my dad and everything, and so uh, I did, and I really enjoyed it, thought a lot about my dad naturally while I was making that bowl, and uh, happened to um, submit that. I seen they wanted entries in the fire, uh, submitted it into the fire, won a blue ribbon, uh, so um, I happened to post a picture of it, and an uh, uh, art historian uh, uh, from Sotheby's wanted one, and uh, kind of like the log houses, uh, I've got them in 16 states in Canada now. Wow. Them dough bowls. I like to say I'm bringing biscuit making back one bowl <laughs> at a time. And every one of them comes with my recipe. A lot of women say, oh, I can't make biscuit. Men too. But I say, if you follow my recipe, you can make them as good as anybody. And I had a, got a call from a fella not too many years ago and wanted to get one uh for his 16-year-old daughter's birthday, and uh, he had done taught her to fish and hunt, and she could outfish and hunt uh, most men, but he said he wanted her to be a lady too. So uh, two days later after buying one, uh, he sends me a picture of the biscuit she made, you know, so. Uh, that's so awesome. It yeah, is, I, mean, I love that's... a good biscuit. You know, it's a dying art. Uh, people don't know how to eat no more because most of them don't know how to cook. Well, if it don't come from the grocery store, it's... It is, it is. I worry about a lot, of, especially the younger people. I'm afraid if you give them a sack of potatoes and a sack of rice uh, and a bag of flour, they might starve to death. You know... Uh, <laughs> you might not be wrong. <laughs> and uh, and I just, I tell you, you can kind of tell by looking at me, I enjoy eating and... Uh, that's something that we ought to get back to, and, and uh, just like sitting on the porch and sitting in yeah. the rocking chair and uh, let the family sit down do a good old meal and, you know, skip the fast food. and uh, So uh, that's another facet of the 
popularity of my social media, I share a recipe every once in a while. Right. These other people out there that still still love to cook, still love to eat. Uh, yeah. I try to have a little something for everybody. I share a good old home remedy every once in a while. I'm a firm believer. The Lord give us everything we need. And uh, I don't mind telling people I've, uh, it's been over a decade since I've been to the doctor. I don't go to the doctor. You know, I try to eat right, uh, take my vitamins. Uh, uh, so I share some of that and people really enjoys it, you know, and just yeah. goes along with that simple living. And I think I might live longer than the people that go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just from seeing you on the Facebook, it looks like you like some elderberry syrup. I do, I do. Uh, I've got a good uh, good uh, friend there. I'm a firm believer in it. It keeps me healthy. Um, uh, elderberry, uh, um, uh, I tell people, it, uh, cold, flu, the virus, anything, get you some elderberry. Uh, I believe in elderberry, uh, echinacea, made from the purple coneflower, all natural. Uh, the Indians used it for thousands of years. Uh, and all of a sudden, the medical association says it ain't good for anything. I know I have less colds or no colds when I take it. Mm. But throw you some zinc in there, vitamin C, uh, vitamin D. Search it out for yourself. Uh, eat you some vegetables. Eat something good for you. Yeah, I'd Quit say a good junk. diet probably and, uh, help you more than Don't say we anything. are what we eat. And really and truly, if we ate right, we'd... We'd all be in good shape, but yeah. nobody does that. I mean, the stuff they put in the food. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a firm believer in that uh, uh, Elkin Organic Elderberry Syrup. Okay. Uh, uh, hunt them up on the She'll Fix You Up, and it keeps me uh, <laughs> uh, 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 healthy as a knot. All right. Well, I mean, I, this has been great. I appreciate it. Has. it. I've been I, good I really to get to know you a little bit. You have... Uh, any parting words? Anything you want to leave us with? Any Kevin Thomas word <laughs> log whisper words of wisdom? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll leave uh, leave you with the first poem that I ever wrote. I uh, didn't really realize I'd wrote a poem, but I shared one of my cabins, and um, it's called Whispered Dreams. But uh, um, close your eyes and see a dream a home of stone and wooden beams, a place that's so far hidden, worries and cares are strictly forbidden. And you know, that's what I'm trying to bring to uh, bring to people today, you know, that little bit of yeah. simplicity. And, and um, so that's my closing word there, Betty. Well, I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcast to be notified of new episodes. Remember to be on the lookout for new episodes at the first of every month. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review and comment on what you like the most. If you know someone who has a good story to tell or suggestions on how to improve, please email us at info at ncretold.com. Carolina.